Swinging a high fly. Swung on the high This is tagged by Hammer to the gap. At the track. High and deep to the right. That ball just got out of here. It's going to go to the rock This ball's getting small. This is charged. Right back at the track. Seems like the ball's had a lot of life the last couple of nights. Finger go back to back. Here's Adam Engel. Swinging a long one to left. We're going to have a tie ball game. He did go back to back. High and deep. This is crushed to left center field. This is going to go for a home run. Way out of here. This is is White Sox Weekly. We're moving to that next pitch. It's time now to start having that progress towards your championship caliber team, ultimately. From our standpoint, there's a lot to be excited about. Oh, this ball is absolutely blistered. High, far, I don't know if it's landed yet. Luis Robert, a two-run homer. Barrel homer. Holy cow. You know, the ball jumped off. He's got leverage. He's got bat speed. He's got to put that all together. And he could be a monster. I think we're ready to take that next step and head deeper down the path to ultimately winning championships. The Chicago baseball conversation. Deep in the right field. On the flagship home of the Sox. It is gone. 720 WGN. Welcome in. It's White Sox Weekly on this day that does not feel like baseball weather at all here in the city of Chicago. I'm Andy Mazur alongside Kevin Powell. We'll take you through until 5 o'clock tonight. Then we'll uh, do a little switcheroo. We'll do the beat for you and then get to some World Series baseball. Game number four between the Astros and the Nationals. And that's uh, been a pretty good series so far. I hope it goes seven games, Andy, because I'm not ready for baseball season to be completely over. Yeah, I don't think anybody really is. is it? Well, I mean, there's a lot of interest, though, in what the White Sox are going to do here in this offseason. So I think the sooner you get to the offseason, the more that uh, some of these questions as to what uh, Rick Hahn and company might do, will get answered. And I think it's going to be one of the most active off-seasons in a long, long time that we've seen from the White Sox. This is the perfect moment in a rebuild to spend some money and bring in some free agents and start adding some pieces to the young core. Curtis Koch is our producer here today. Uh, we're going to hear from uh, Michael Huff, the director of youth baseball for the White Sox. He'll come up here in just a few moments. And uh, later on, I had a chance to uh, catch up with the uh, player personnel director, Chris Getz. We had got some interesting conversations about some of the players that uh, you might be wondering what his thoughts are about and uh, what they may have a chance to do here in the 2020 baseball season. All that coming up in just a moment. Right now, though, as the White Sox fans uh, kind of gather around their radio right now, they have to put back the, they put their uh, their way back hats on and go all the way back to the year 2005. And I know that uh, a young memorable, Kevin was there. Year. Yes. Young, young Kevin was right by the radio or right by the TV. I don't know which one you were, were right by, but it was today. In 2005, the White Sox wrapped up the World Series against the Houston Astros. Tying run at second, two out, Palmero over the head of Jenks. Uribe charges, throws, out! And the White Sox have won the World Series! Juan Uribe with a play, charging it, throwing it, and the White Sox celebrate their first title in 88 years. Chills, goosebumps, Andy Mazur. I was posted up. I grew up in the northwest suburbs, still yeah. live out there. So there wasn't a ton of Sox fans. I had a handful of friends here and there. But for the most part, I was surrounded by Cubs fans. So for that whole run, growing up a White Sox fan, it was uh, a lot of just kind of family gatherings in the in the family room, mm-hmm. surrounded the, the TV. But uh, that ball was hit 
And I remember I was in the family room with my dad, my younger brother, and my mom. I think my older brother was out with his friends. My sister was out with her friends. So it was just us four, and the ball was hit. We all popped up collectively from the couch, <laughs> and we jumped up and down around the family room like a bunch of lunatics hugging each other. And uh, so happy for my dad because that's yeah. the reason I was a Sox fan. He went to a bunch of Sox games as a kid. His dad was a Sox fan. So people always ask me, how were you a Sox fan growing up in the Northwest Burbs, like the heart of Cubs Nation? And so that, that's why. I, I, my dad took me to games. Why? Watch the games with him. So I fell in love with the White Sox as a kid growing up. That moment, uh, just listening to that clip, gives you goosebumps and chills. That was such a fun ride. You ready for some more goosebumps? I'm ready for some more goosebumps. Because it was a crazy ride getting to that final game, of course. There were uh, several, several key moments en route to the 2005 World Series. Podsednik hits one to deep right center field. Back at the wall. This ball is gone. goes deep. It's second home run of the postseason. And the White Sox win it 7-6. That, that was a nice moment. Scott Podsednik hadn't hit a home run that entire season. He hit two in the postseason, one yeah. of them a walk-off. Yeah. It, it's just certain... There are certain teams that you can just kind of feel this is their year, right? I mean, even destiny like, moments. Even like the Nationals right now, with yeah. the, I know they lost yesterday, but they had won, went 18 and 2 over a 20 game stretch. They had some incredible moments in the postseason. It, uh, it's easy to, to, get, to get sold on a certain team when, when certain things happen over a stretch, a period of time. And you just felt like it was trending in a four game sweep, or, or it, it, it was. It just felt right, everything, that 2005 season. You want more goosebumps? Yes. I got more goosebumps for you. Give me all the goosebumps. The bases loaded, two out. With Canerco on. And he rips one in the left. Canerco, grand slam. Longest game in the World Series history. Blum hits it into right, down the line. It is gone. Jeff Blum, the former Astro, goes deep. And here in the 14th inning... The White Sox take a 6-5 lead. Jeff Plum gets his first at bat of this series and only his second of the postseason. The funny thing about that is now that Jeff Blum is a, a TV analyst once again for the Astros. And uh, I, I met Blummer the first time. Uh, he was a Padre in 2007 when I was there mm. and talked very glowingly about that moment. And, uh, of course, uh, Ed and DJ kind of give him a little grief every time they see him wearing the Astros stuff. <laughs> Well, as we continue to go down memory lane, I remember that game, how late it went. Uh-huh. And I remember showing up to, I think it was a sophomore, junior in high school. No, I think it was a senior in high school. Um, but my first period was, was PE, was gym class. Yeah. And our gym teacher, Coach Huber, was a diehard Sox fan. And I remember showing up. He goes, I didn't think you were going to be here this morning, Paul. I said, <laughs> I'm here, Coach. I'm here. What a night. So it was just such a fun run. You know, it's interesting when you go to different ballparks, and there's so much history in a lot of these ballparks, but you go to Guarantee Rate Field now, and you look out toward left center, and of course there's the catch, Dwayne Wise preserving the the perfect game for, for Mark Burley. And then if you ever get the chance to go to Mid Maid Park, I know that a lot of White Sox fans will journey out into right field because that's exactly where that play happened. Do uh, they have any sort of commemorative plaque for uh, that? You know, I, I think that Jeff Blum every once in a while sits out there. <laughs> that's about it. Uh, sits out there and uh, just in black, and he doesn't have to worry about uh, his Astros uh, <laughs> microphone or anything like that. But it, it's it's one of those things that you know where you just you remember not only a where you were, but you also remember exactly yes. where the ball landed, what the circumstance was. You might even remember what you had for breakfast that day. Yep.
the weather of the day you were watching it, all those sorts of things. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, I do always think about the, um, it's not talked about enough. And I always say if like Derek Jeter made the catch, it would be, it would be in baseball lore forever. But the Juan Uribe catch yeah. in game Impressive. four with one out, yep. the tying run was on. It was, it's one of the most, imp- as you said, impressive catches I've ever seen, and it's not talked about enough. Yeah, you know, there's moments that overshadow it because of all the, yeah. the big home runs that we played and, you know, and just the fact that they actually ended up winning it in a sweep. It does get kind of brushed. It, 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 he, gets, he gets kind of brushed over a little bit. Yeah. And what he, the impact that uh, Arriba had on that team. I mean, even the final out, that's not an easy play. That's a soft dribbler, and he had to charge it, and they barely beat the runner. So Juan Uribe was always one of my favorite players. He was such a character, even th- throughout his career, even after the White Sox. He's just such a funny guy to watch, and he, uh, he was really good, too. Yeah, there was a save by a guy in that World Series, too, that normally doesn't get saves. Uh, Mr. Burley? That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of things happen, as you point out. I mean, there's this kind somebody, of thing Somebody likable guys on the team, too. Yeah, it was you destiny. Know, and Jermaine Dye and... Uh, Dye, Canerco, yeah. Joe Creedy, Aaron Rowan. Yep. Fun ride. And I think uh, for Sox fans, hang in there. I know it's been a stretch, but uh, good things are coming in 2020, I believe. And good things are coming up straight ahead here on White Sox Weekly as we'll get you ready for uh, Michael Huff, the director of youth baseball for the White Sox. And later on, the player director is uh, Chris Getz. We'll get to talk to him a little bit later as well. Pick 10 plans are on sale right now. Get ready for the 2020 season with this flexible and affordable ticket plan. Pick your games, your opponents, your schedule with lower-level plans starting at $205. Visit WhiteSox.com to pick your plan today. And the White Sox pop-up shop is back at the Orland Square Mall. This offseason, visit the White Sox store at Orland Square Mall now through January 15th. Conveniently located across from the Apple Store, fans can shop stadium exclusives and special promotions throughout the holidays. For more information, follow at White Sox Store on Instagram. He's Kevin Powell. I'm Andy Mazur. White Sox Weekly continues on 720 WGN in just a moment. At the wall, a 380, gone. A three-run homer for Tim Anderson. 3-1 White Sox. Back to White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. Back with White Sox Weekly. Andy Mazur joined here by Kevin Powell as we uh, take you through uh, 5 o'clock. We'll hear from Chris Getz coming up here in just a few moments as well. I want to take some time right now to talk to the director of youth baseball for the White Sox and an all-around good guy, Michael Huff. Michael, how you doing, man? I'm good, Andy. And yourself? I'm doing all right. Kevin Powell is alongside here as well. And, uh, you know, we were just listening back to some of the, uh, the, the highlights from the 2005 World Series. The, the final game, the fourth game was, uh, in 2005 on this date. Uh, pretty fun to, to kind of reminisce and, uh, think about that moment. Oh my gosh. Incredibly much. It, it was, I think, for all of us former players, those people, especially from Chicago, to think about, how long this team had gotten close and how many times they were right on the cusp. I remember my team in 93 and then the great team in 94 before the strike hit and to see it all come to fruition. And, and, and all of us still go back, even when we get the 93 guys together, we talk about that pitching staff in 05 and how that doesn't get brought up every year the playoffs come around because what those four guys did was just incredible. Any singular moments stick out? We were kind of reminiscing. I talked about uh, Juan Uribe's catch in Game 4. That I don't think that gets talked about enough. Obviously, Canerco's Grand Slam. Podsenic, did you have a favorite moment from that incredible run? Well, again, <laughs> uh, great question, Kevin. And being kind of that defensive kind of guy, uh, you're right. I mean, the, the defensive plays really kind of jump out at me. But 
also being a leadoff hitter, kind of a light bat, you know, a good line drive guy. When Pesednik hit that home run, <laughs> you know, as, as a little punch and Judy type hitter, really good at going the other way, really good with hitting runs. Anytime a guy like that can hit a home run, that, that's kind of the thing that resonates and I'll always remember. You know, it's, it's interesting, too, that you point out that you guys still feel a connection to that team, even though you didn't play with a lot of those guys. And I think that kind of gets lost in the shuffle, too, because, you know, once you play for an organization and, and kind of uh, dedicate yourself to it, I mean, you can't help but revel in good things, even if it's not with your team. Well, and I will, I'm going to have to amend that a little bit in that there are not very many organizations, I think, in any sport that brings back or makes the, 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 the former players still feel a part of the organizations. The White Sox, again, what they do for their fans, what they do for the kids out there in left field, but even more so for the players, they've always made us feel a part of the organization. And so we've been riding every wave up and every wave down, I think, as much as the fans. And I think that's what really bonds us um, to you know, the, 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 the 2000 team, then to the 2005 team. And, and I know next year and the year after, we're probably going to be talking about the same type of thing going forward. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what you do for the White Sox. And, of course, as the director of youth baseball, I know you were busy during the summer because it seemed like every weekend uh, I popped my head out of the dugout. I saw you and uh, uh, either Jason Benetti or someone else uh, with a bunch of players on the dugout and a whole bunch of young kids in the crowd asking questions. That seemed like such a super thing, and, and I know you did that quite a few times during the summer. Well, part of what the White Sox have done, and literally this is now going on 30 years, is try to take the knowledge of the White Sox coaches out to the community. So I oversee one portion of the White Sox sort of marketing department that goes out and runs camps, runs clinics for parents as well as the kids. But in the summer, that's where the White Sox really bend over backwards to make sure every kid that's in one of our summer camps from the Wisconsin border through northwest Indiana has an opportunity to get to the ballpark to get to talk to a current player and Jason and, and one of the coaches, but then to get to stay and actually watch batting practice and see how these guys go about their business. And like you said, Andy, when they start funneling in and filing into their seats, Every time this year of the five times that we came, there were some of the players from the White Sox that were doing the early hitting, the extra work. And it wasn't, you know, the, just the, the 24th, 25th guys. It was Jose Abreu. It was Tim Anderson working on ground balls. It was Eloy Jimenez working on fly balls. And so everything that we get to teach the kids, whether it's in the summer camps or in the winter, and I know we'll talk a little bit about what we're going to be doing coming up, as much as you have former major leaguers like Mike Huff and Dan Passwood and Medusi talking to these kids and these parents about the dedication, the extra work that major leaguers put in, that these kids need to do whatever the sport is, whatever the, the academics is, it was so neat for those kids to be able to see those all-star caliber players that were out there working extra even before batting practice. So that's what, again, I, it's just so much fun being a part of this organization and overseeing sort of that component for them these days. Do you see a direct correlation when there is White Sox success to youth participation? I mean, obviously there's always going to be kids that want to play, but when you do have players like Tim Anderson or Yoa Moncada that I think younger kids can re relate to a little bit at least or be attracted to that player, do you see a correlation with, with an uptick in participation when you have Marketable players or the team is having success? Yes. 
And I think in the Chicagoland area, that actually started three or four years ago. And we don't want to talk too much about that other team in town. But when you can see some young, exciting players, when you can have, you know, a Kyle Schwarber who's just a good dog on egg, you know, a, a Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo who's at the children's hospitals, kids will start to kind of perk up a little bit. And with the White Sox success coming up, what I see is this wave that's going to continue in Chicago. And the leagues that we work with and bring to the ballpark and do these clinics, the numbers are growing in those leagues. And I think in general, when there's winning baseball in in Chicago, kids start to get a little bit more perked up. And uh, we know it's going to get exciting on the south side because my north side friends or Cub friends are all saying they wish they were in our position going into 2020, not necessarily their position, which is, is is a little bit scary for them, but very exciting for us because I think, as you guys talk about, Kevin and Andy, uh, 2020 is going to be fun, but it's really going to be a building block to some very special things in 2021 and 2022. Michael, in about 90 seconds uh, we have left with you here, just tell us uh, some of the things that are going on here in the winter because you look outside right now and it doesn't seem like baseball weather, but baseball is always going on. Yes, and we have facilities in LaGrange and Lyle where we are running basic camps for hitting, pitching, fielding for kids 5 through 12. But we're also talking to a number of travel teams, travel organizations, as well as just entire Little Leagues about doing coaches clinics or preseason training for the Little Leagues, about talking to those travel programs to say, let's go down a layer or two and really get after these kids and give them some really good instruction for a four, eight, 12-week period before they get back outside in the spring. But starting sort of right now, we're going to get busy through March, April, and even May. So uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, baseball, you know, is pretty much a 12-month-of-a-year sport these days. In 10 seconds, who's winning the World Series this year? I still got to go with Houston. I think that the, the, the pitching that they're going to have lined up, if they can get one more of these two, they're going to go back home, and I, and I kind of think they're going to be able to pull it off. Michael, great insight. And, uh, again, we'll have uh, folks head to the website, whitesox.com, to find out more information about what you do and about those camps. And, uh, as always, we appreciate you taking some time. Thank you so much, Andy. You too, Kevin. Have a great rest of the weekend. Thank you. All right. Michael Huff, the director of youth baseball for the White Sox, joining us here. 2020 ticket packages are on sale right now. Secure your seat with a 20-game plan. Find the plan that meets your schedule and budget with lower-level plans starting as low as $403. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or 312-674-1000. And SoxFest right around the corner returns January 24th to the 25th in a new location. Excuse me, McCormick Place, the two-day fan fest, will span more than 100,000 square feet, offering more ways to connect with your favorite Sox stars. SoxFest 2020 presented by Beggar's Pizza, guaranteed rate, Old Dominion Freightline, Securian Financial, and a win trust. Single and two-day passes are on sale now. Get yours at WhiteSox.com slash SoxFest. We'll get a check of news and then more White Sox Weekly on WG. You're listening to White Sox Weekly on the home of the Sox, 720 WGN. As we continue here on White Sox Weekly, Andy Mather joined by the Director of Player Development for the White Sox, Chris Getz. And uh, I know the the offseason is upon us, but do you really have an offseason in your business? Uh, you know what? There's not too much downtime. I'd say the... You know, as you go through the calendar year, I I would say that certainly the responsibilities may change, um, the pace of things. Uh, You know, during the year, you've got the games that are going until 
you know, 10, 30, 11 at night. So maybe you're on call a little bit later than you are in the off season, but there's, there's a lot of, a lot of work to be done. So what are you guys concentrating on these days and, and at this point of the year? On the player development front, you know, we just wrapped up both instructional league and Arizona fall league. We're, uh, we're about to start up our Dominican instructional league, uh, here, uh, shortly on November 1st. Uh, we'll be heading down to the DR, but planning some, some off season mini camps. And before you know it, spring training will be here. But uh, free agency, uh, we're at a period right now where we can re-sign some of our minor league free agents that we already have control or we had control over. Um, And then once five days after the World Series, um, floodgates open and and free agency officially begins. So we'll start diving into that soon. Now, I'm glad you brought up the the Arizona Fall League because uh, I I know there's a couple of guys that you guys had on that roster, uh, namely in in Blake Rutherford and Gavin Sheets, a couple of guys that really uh, started off slowly in their minor league seasons. How how did you see them develop through the year? Because I know both of those guys finished pretty strongly. They did. Um, You know, Blake, you know, Blake's first two months were, were not pretty, and he, he would certainly openly uh, share that with anyone. But the most impressive thing was that he, that he you know, he bounced back and, and finished strong, where a lot of the guys, you know, perhaps just never really uh, get it together and, and then more or less quit on the year. Uh, he didn't do that. So um, there were still plenty of positives to take, take away. And then down the Arizona Fall League, and I've been out there a little bit and checking in with people that have been watching with uh, watching him play, and um, it's, he's done pretty well. He's done pretty well. So there's been, you know, his numbers aren't necessarily uh, jumping out at you, but his at bats have been really solid. The feedback's been uh, feedback's been strong. Uh, Gavin Sheets, a guy, he, he was fairly consistent throughout the year. I think the bright um, brightest spot of his of his game and his year was the power production, uh, something that we knew he had. He just hadn't really been able to, to go out there and, and um, put up the numbers. And, and, and Birmingham is not an easy place to hit. Southern League is not. And uh, he went out there and he, he led, the, led the Southern League in RBIs, and, and he, had a, he was close to 20 homers. So that was, that was good to see, just a solid all-around uh, player his, his solid defense, and now we're getting some offensive production to match that. So um, that was nice to see. And then some of the other arms um, that we have out in the fall league, uh, two that kind of stand out: Tyler Johnson and Bernardo Flores. Um, both uh, ran into some injuries this year, so we, these guys had some innings left, and they're out there and they're they're, they're performing well. And, and Tyler is going to continue actually for for Team USA as they. Uh, attempt to, to qualify for the 2020 Olympics, so I'm excited to to, to watch him perform even more. Now, I want to talk about him and that uh, that qualifying in just a second. But there's another guy that I think a lot of people had an eye on as far as your Arizona Fall League roster was concerned, and that's Mike Rodolfo. I mean, we've heard a lot about him. Obviously, uh, the 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 injury bug has not been uh, very kind to him. When you when you saw what he did in the Arizona Fall League, I know it's kind of hard for fans to look past numbers. But were you, A, just happy that he was out there, and B, happy that he was being able to face the competition that he did while in Arizona? Yeah, I mean, with the uniqueness of his year and missing that time, um, you know, the, 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 the real focus and purpose for, for the fall league was just to, to get more at-bats, see competitive pitching, um, but also play in the outfield. He hadn't played in the outfield in a while. So to, to get his reps out there, his arm is, is back, it's, it's strong. Uh, so very that was very encouraging, um, and then you know there there was going to be some some bumps along the way in the fall. He hadn't faced uh, live pitching for for some time, let alone 
fall league type pitching, which is generally, um, you know, I'd say uh, better better pitchers in the fall league than perhaps we even face down in the southern league. So, uh, but he he. he he was inconsistent in the beginning, um, but but he put together some some good games and good at bats, and um, we're in discussion to, to maybe even continue some in, uh, for him to play some winter ball to, to also get some at bats. But I, he, he's back to being a a baseball player. He was one dimensional as a DH because of his arm injury, and now to get him out there and get him back to being the player that we think he can be. But it's a matter of him maturing really as a hitter overall, because you know we've we, we've seen plenty of hitters, um, you know within the minor league system or across the game that, that flash power uh, here and there, but uh, the name of the game is consistency. So, um, and we believe he's going to be able to be a, a consistent power producer for us. All right. So you mentioned Tyler Johnson and his uh, trying to qualify for uh, USA baseball and uh, with the, uh, the Olympics coming up, but uh, Andrew Vaughn also on that roster of, of guys that are trying to make the final squad and uh, represent the United States in the 2020 Olympics. And, I wanted to ask you about Vaughn in particular because, uh, you know, first-round draft choice, played a lot of games with Cal and uh, a lot of games now in the minor leagues, too. What did you see from him, first of all, and did you notice a little bit of a tail-off just because hey, the, the kid's human? He was probably uh, probably exhausted from the whole season. It was a, yeah, long year. But Andrew Vaughn is, I mean, this guy, I know the term gets thrown around fairly uh, uh, easily. He's a baseball player, but, but, man, he loves he loves to play. He loves to compete, and he's got such a positive vibe about him. That's the first thing that stood out. But the the, uh, the initial the first interaction I had with him, but he he kind of lights up the room. Teammates love him. He's just he's one of the boys. So uh, that always uh, bodes well for for guys and teams to have players like that. Uh, and then you, you break him down as a hitter. I mean, he's he's what he does mechanically. What he does as an approach. It's very advanced. It's like talking to a a, a veteran major league hitter. His approach through the middle of the field, he's got good control with his body, his lower half, good sense of timing. He hits to all fields. I, I would say that he's not going to tell you he's a power hitter. He'd probably tell you that he's a he's a hitter first, which which is a good sign. Um, so I, I, we're really excited to have him. Um, when you kind of break down the area, he had an excellent college season. Um you know, working him into professional baseball, had some quick stops along the way, was able to finish in Winston-Salem. Was he gassed? Uh, probably. Did he admit it? No. Um, but he, he was still fairly productive, uh, even though, you, you know, you, you look at kind of a, the traditional stat line, maybe doesn't jump out for at you, but in terms of the expected numbers, the hard hit, um, it, it was in there. So, um, you know, with, with the, the Olympic qualifier, this Team USA, you know, the, the um, board members typically reach out to, to the organization myself and, you know, they, they, they were interested in a couple of our guys, and I, I, I leave it up to the player. I, I really do. And, and with, with Andrew, and you look at the, you know, his first, first taste of professional baseball, is, is he going to be gassed and want to do this? And he, without hesitation, he said, I want to do this. Um, and which just shows kind of the kid that he is and what, what he's going to bring to the table. So, um, you know, it's, it's not a demanding uh, time uh, that goes into your, your off season too much. He's still able to certainly get his workouts in in preparation. Um, they only play eight games total um, if they if they end up winning. So um, I, I, in terms of workload and, and, and the taxing of the body, that's not really a concern, but excited to, for him to be a part of it and experience that. I hope that they go out there and, and, and win the thing and, and qualify for, 
for the Olympics. I think it's just good for good for baseball, good for our country. Tyler Johnson, once again, he had some innings to make up because of the lat injury he had, uh, you know, at the, the the first portion of the the year. Um, he he finished strong in the fall league, and I I, I would imagine that he's going to really be a, a helpful arm for for that team. Yeah, Director of Player Development Chris Getz joining us here on White Sox Weekly. We'll have more coming up with uh, Chris Getz in just a moment. Remind you that Sox games are better with a group. It's never too early to lock in your 2020 group package from a diamond suite to a pregame patio party. We've got the perfect space for your occasion. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000. And stay up to date on all things White Sox this offseason by signing up for the free White Sox blacklist. Get breaking news, prospect updates, special ticket offers, and more delivered right to your inbox. Visit WhiteSox.com slash blacklist to sign up today. And our conversation with Chris Getz, sponsored by Mazda of Orland Park and ZoomZoomNation.com, where they're always trying to make your car shopping fun. More with Chris Getz and more at White Sox Weekly coming up on 720 WGN. It's great to be back with WGN. It's White Sox Weekly on the official radio station of the Chicago White Sox. 720 WGN. Welcome back. White Sox Weekly continuing here on 720 WGN. Andy Mazur and Kevin Powell. We're continuing our conversation here with Chris Getz, the Director of Player Development. And it's, it's possible to think that we spent about 10 minutes Talking to Chris and uh, have not mentioned Luis Robert coming back from his uh, kind of a lost season a year ago, and I wanted to find out what he saw from him because Robert really flew through the system. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, when we acquired him, obviously there there was a large profile attached, um, a financial commitment. You, you saw the potential. Gosh, the first spring training, and he shows up. I, I would say that he may have been the most impressive. Uh, you know, player out there that your eyes just kind of jump out there. And that's just the athlete that he is. When you look at him, he could be, you know, in the NBA in the NFL, you name it. He could, uh, he looks like an Olympic athlete. So that, that certainly stands out. Um, you know, he hurt the thumb. He, he hurt the thumb. Um, then there was a re-aggravation of it. So he just never really was able to get that full strength in that, that full season last year. Um, and it affected him. It, uh, clearly, because when he came back this year, he was the best player in the minor leagues. I I, um, I know he's, and I say that because he's won that award. But um, he, he he can impact the game in so many different ways. He's fun to watch run. Uh, the defense stands out. He's got power. He miss hits balls, and they're just missiles. Um, he's learning how to put uh, professional at bats together. He can square up a lot of pitches. He's aggressive. Uh, certainly don't want to take that away too much, but. As he kind of moves up and, you know, when the time comes and he graduates to the major leagues, the, the, certainly uh, scouting reports are going to say certain things about him, the potential to, to take advantage of the aggressiveness, and, and that's what we're really going to hone in on. That's what we've talked about um, for him to focus on this off season and, and hopefully take it into to spring training the next year because he's a, he, he, he's a special player. Uh, you know, thirty thirty season at any level is not uh, something that is accomplished all the time, and that's uh, that's pretty impressive. But you know, aside from those numbers, and what stood out most to you? What was most impressive to you in in your role as a player development and, and knowing that this kid's on the right track? Well, it's sort of from a from a character standpoint, just professionalism. Um, you know, he, he the way he prepares for for games stands out. Um, he takes care of himself, so a lot of you know, good foundational things are in place for, for sustainable success. And then you break down the tools and it's, uh, I mean, it's plus across, um, it's plus plus in some, some areas. So, um, I, you know, 
when you when you're he's one of those guys when he when you're at the game and you, perhaps as a fan you're you know you're not going to take your bathroom break when when he's coming to the play you 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 you, you look where he is in the lineup and you're like I'm going to wait for 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 that guy to hit before I leave these seats. How difficult in general is it for a guy to to come into your minor league system and force his way to not just one, not two, but all three of the levels? Because promotions aren't just handed out. I mean, they're obviously earned. But uh, this guy and uh, there's another guy that did that in your system as well, Nick Madrigal. You know, there's some guys that that you know, that just you know it starts clicking and it just it moves quickly. And the more you kind of challenge them, uh, <laughs> the better they become. And both Louie and Nick did that. And you know, there's sometimes there's reservations. Is this the right time to go up? There's plenty of indication that, um, that that he is ready to move. You know, you talk to the coaches, you break down statistically what's going on, the analytics, all, all those types of things, and you, you, you gather all the feedback and you try to make a sound decision. And um, but sometimes you worry. Okay, is this a little too quick? But gosh, with those guys, that was a, that was a non-issue. They just continue to go. And let's let's talk about Madrigal real quick too, because obviously he doesn't have the same fanfare. I think that that Robert has, especially among the fan base. He's a solid player with a great approach. Uh, you know, he scuffled just a little bit at the very beginning of his AAA season, but w- with his style and with the fact that he's a contact kind of guy, does that is that going to keep him out of prolonged slumps? In your opinion, yeah, I think it does. You know, you know anyone that's been following the game, strikeouts are up, um, and. And a lot of that has to do with certainly the approach of the plate for for these hitters, but the pitching is really good. I mean, you've got you've got the the average major league fastball has jumped. The starters are throwing harder, but they're also the way that they're attacking hitters. With you've got you know a Garrett Cole who's you know an upper nineties. He's he's got that as a weapon, and he's he's throwing his fastball below fifty percent of the time. Um, you know, so it's they're coming at you and they're coming at you quickly with their best stuff. So when you have that contact ability and his is elite, um, it's going to, it's going to serve him well. It's going to serve a team very well. Yeah. And you know, the, the fact is that, you know, you, you, we throw that thing around the, the ball player, the baseball player, and he kind of fits that profile as well. And the thing that intrigued me, he said something between even single A and double A about how the strike zone got smaller. And then he said, when he got the triple A, it got even smaller than that. And it's one of those kind of things that as you progress, that's the kind of thing you have to learn, right? Yes, I mean some of that is probably the, the experience of the umpiring. Um, as you go up, it, it certainly does improve, um, you know. And, and him, you know, first full season as well. And you're looking at a guy that's still, you know, figuring out what type of professional hitter he's going to be, and figuring out which pitches to go at. Because once again, he can he can square up. Uh, he can pretty much cover the whole plate now. Um, within that within that plate, he's going to do a little bit more damage with certain pitches. So it's a matter of focusing on those areas throughout the at-bat, um, and those are the conversations we're having with him. But his aptitude is so high. Before you even have the conversation with him, he, he before you sit down, he, he, he already knows. He can pretty much run the meeting. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it's good to have that kind of a coach-type player, right? Yes, yes. No, he, and he, you know, not only is he demanding excellence in himself, but others as well, and you know his focus. I mean, he. You watch him. You watch him in the dugout, and certainly on the field, defensively. I'm, you know, on the base path. You know, on deck, he's just locked in. I and and you know the key to this whole thing is being able to to remain focused for at least nine innings. You know, and 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 some guys have have trouble doing that. You get the the highly skilled, tooled player that um, you, you want to have them be an impactful player for you. But sometimes these guys kind of lose focus and all of a sudden it turns into an error, a big play and you're down three runs. And he, you just don't see that with Nick. And he, um, 
you know, it's almost like an osmosis effect. He, he, he does, he does demand that excellence with others and not care to, he, he doesn't mind calling other people out as well. Chris Gratz, Director of Player Development for the White Sox. Uh, one more for you here, and uh, it kind of regards uh, this year's ball club as far as the White Sox were concerned with Eloy Jimenez coming up, getting off to a slow start, but then really finishing strongly. Uh, Dylan Cease making his big league debut this year. Do you kind of watch those as, uh, I guess the term would be a proud papa, because you've watched these guys. I mean, maybe not as long as some of the other guys, but you've watched them come along, and now they're realizing their dream, and they're realizing that they're going to be able to help the White Sox be competitive over the next few years. Sure. No, it's it's. I don't know if it's the most rewarding, but it is extremely rewarding to, to to see players find their way to the to the big leagues. Which for for most of these guys, it's their childhood dream uh, to to make to the major leagues and to, to to be able to you know relay down to our manager, whether it be you know typically at AAA, sometimes at AA, that you know so and so is getting called up to the big leagues. It's kind of a chilling. It's a chilling moment. It is, and then when they make the debut and experiencing that and talking to them about that that's that's very cool and 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 you know not always do, do guys roll in there and have success out of the gate um you know that that it rarely happens um but some of these guys the the experience that they got up there and then started to show the signs of of what they're capable of doing which is going to bode well for for the white Sox you know, moving forward. Well, Chris, we certainly appreciate you taking the time, and uh, don't work too hard in the offseason, but work hard enough to make things right for, for 2020, of course. Well, we're, we're committed. I'm committed, and along with others, and uh, yeah, we're always looking for ways to get better, but I, uh, you know, I appreciate you having me on, and, and have a great weekend. All right, Chris Getz, the Director of Player Development for the White Sox. Always good to catch up with him. He's got some great insight, and uh, is very candid about things. Andy Mazur, you spent a lot of time around the White Sox organization yes. over the past couple of years. Call games, pregame, postgame. Do you think Luis Robert is the opening day center fielder for your Chicago White Sox? If you had to put me to it right now, I'd say yes. That's just me. I have no inside information. That should get Sox fans excited. Yeah, I have no inside information about that. But anyway, we're going to wrap up White Sox Weekly right here. We'll thank uh, Michael Huff for his appearance on our show as well, the Director of Youth Baseball, and of course to Chris Getz. We'll uh, continue with White Sox Weekly next week. Coming up after a check of news, it'll be The Beat. Kevin and I will join you until 6 o'clock when we'll cover World Series game number 4 here on WGN Radio.